I live the kind of life that other people would just love to live if they only had the courage. Who's to say that the boy would be happier your way or mine? No, I'm afraid it don't work that way. He'll grab at the first flashy thing with shiny ribbons on him. Then when he finds out there's a hook in it, it's too late. Wrong ideas come packaged with so much glitter, it's hard to convince them that other things might be better in the long run. That means that you're inviting me to leave. That's right. Iowa needs good dudes. And they're out there, even though the world isn't telling their stories. Fathers who fill their homes with dad jokes. Leaders who are building the world they want their kids to live in. Men who love the battle of virtue, character, truth, and goodness. I'm Colt Russell Dyke, and in this podcast, I'm convinced that the best dudes in the world live in Iowa, and I'm on a quest to find these dudes so that I can tell their stories. In today's episode, I talk with Will Cook. Will is a stud. He loves his family well. He's experienced job loss followed by career success, and he has a huge heart for the local church. In his various church experiences, Will has led through virtually every opportunity that you can really imagine. Youth, worship leading, singing, teaching, and today I'm excited to tell Will's story. Check one, two, palms are sweaty. Knees mm-hmm. weak, arms are heavy. He's vomiting on my sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface. He's a calm and ready to, to drop bombs. bombb. But he keeps on forgetting, forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd rolls so loud. He opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, come on with that. He's choking. How? Oh, oh man. man, that's some good stuff right there. That was, hey, that was fire. Awesome. All right. All right, sweet. Well, dude, thank you for jumping on the podcast like totally last minute, man. I'm uh, I'm looking for okay. So here's how I'm starting every one of these conversations, bro. And Cook, you can you can answer this question however you want to. There's no okay. right or wrong answer. Here's the question though. In okay. your opinion, what's it mean to be a good dude? That's a heavy question. So you coming out the gate swinging? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Fastball <laughs> right sheesh. away, man. <laughs> even no coffee, no intro, just come into it. All right, nah. Uh no. What's a, yeah. What's a good dude? Uh hmm. I think it for me, it it all starts off with like what do you determine to be good? Um, that's the yeah. to crack it open, but Yeah, yeah, walk um, me through that. Um I, I look at it as like there's two type of like good dudes, right? Like this how this how I view it. Like there's obviously, you know, we're we're in a church mindset, biblical setting. Yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. like biblically good. Um, I ain't gonna say righteous because Paul already shut that down. Right. So right. There's there was none righteous. Yeah. yeah. So there's biblically biblically good. Right. And then there's still like just in general earthly good people. Yeah, good like dude. the Bible says, like Noah was a good dude. Right. Yeah. Right. So like uh I I think we all know like in our in our lives just that one dude who that one guy that just looks out for others, um someone who's who stands up for others, uh always make sure other people are prote- never feel left out, give you a shirt off his back, 
type of type of good dude. Yeah. Somebody yeah. you you want to hang out, maybe have a beer with, and you can talk life through. Right. Um, and kind of go through those things. You know, it's it's easy to yeah. talk to that person when life is going good and stuff like that. I don't want to ruin our conversation, but towards the end of the conversation, Will and I start to talk about the concept of moving the doorknob on the inside of the heart. This is a concept that Robert Bly, an authority on men's psychology, coined in order to describe the concept of emotional sovereignty. Emotional sovereignty is neither emotionalism or apathy. So let's break both of those concepts down. Emotionalism is being ruled by your emotional experience. Now there's some beauty to emotionalism, namely, there's an open and honest experience of the authentic emotions that make us deeply human. But the downside of emotionalism is that you become erratic. You become a wobbly person ruled by your emotions like chaff in the wind. And every emotion you experience controls you in its grip. On the other hand, apathy is all the way on the other end of the table. Apathy is stuffing down or outright rejecting your emotions because of the shame you attach to experiencing them. Now, there is a positive to apathy in stuffing down your emotions. You are no longer ruled and reigned by your emotions, and so you become a stable and dependable person. But the downside to apathy is that you deny yourself one of the most important experiences of being human, a rich inner life of varied emotions. Worse yet, as one famous psychologist once said, what you suppress you usually end up leaking out sideways onto somebody with double force. I think of Charles Bukowski's famous poem, Bluebird. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough for him. I say, stay down. Do you want to mess me up? So neither of these, emotional or apathy, will do. So throughout this conversation, what we'll work towards is building an understanding of a third way called emotional sovereignty. And emotional sovereignty is a tool that I think can be incredibly valuable in your life. For now, it's worth noticing that all the, of all the things that impress me about Will, the emotional sovereignty that he practices is towards the top. He's a dude who's experienced real setback and pain in his life. The death of family members, the loss of income in a season of his life when he really wanted to provide for his family. And he has managed to not only not be a victim, but he's learned to put the doorknob on the inside of his heart. And what I love about Will is that Will's under no impression that he's developed this emotional sovereignty with his own strength and power. He knows that it's a gift from the grace of God, and he's just blessed enough to be able to cooperate with God's grace in it. I think of, for me, like, a biblically good dude is someone who you can bear your soul to and you know they ain't gonna look at you different. 
Oh, well, that's a good answer, man. Is you there know. a story under that? Like, have you? Sounds like you've experienced that. Uh yeah. Um, I've I've had uh, individuals in my life, man. Um, I, I'll tell my best friend from high school, man. Uh, Josh is his name. Shout out to Josh. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Nah, he's he reminds me of like that that earthly good dude that God puts in your life to still point you biblically the right, put you on the right path. Because, you yeah, know, God right. can use any and everybody. He was the first person that, in my life, we are, are literally, literal family dynamic mirrored each other. Crazy amount. Like, how our moms were, our dads were, our older brothers were. Like, it was eerie, bro. Yeah, it's so strange when you have those experiences. Eerie. Yeah. So, uh, thought that time, man, um... He say, kids, we just do stupid stuff. Um, and I'll never forget this. It was just a this is just a, a little moment. Um, we had went to the IX Indoor Music Park. It's a big thing in Ohio. Okay. And just like a standard amusement Standard park. kind of music thing, indoor music park. It, it is what okay. it is. Like it's, roller coasters and stuff? Bro, they got like roller coasters. They got laser tag. It's like a... Think of like the Iowa State Fair, yeah. but indoors. Okay, laser tag. Did bro. you do that? Dude, I'll play some bro, laser absolutely. tag. Yeah, you, bro. nah, bro. I was, you know, I'm a savage, <laughs> James Bond. Who. Yeah. But uh, nah, bro. So we go, and I had I had my keys. Um, I left my keys in the house, and I lo- and I locked the doors and I locked the house up. And my dad didn't have keys to get in the house. Okay, yeah. Right. So we get home. We don't get home till like maybe ten o'clock. My dad's been. Um, Got just got off of work and he so he was at the house at just sitting in his car at ten o'clock. Mad doors was locked, so we got away from my mom to get home and she's not gonna be home for another hour and a half. So what I ended up doing, I go behind the in the in the back of the house and I kinda push in and kinda break the little window, open the garage door and get in the house. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, my dad uh I opened the door and locked it. He was like, man, how'd you get in the house? I was like, man, I just kind of figured it out. He was like, man, what the F did you do? Yeah. And I was like, ah, well, you saw in the back and he saw that, like, I broke the window. He's like, man, I could have did that if I wanted to get in there. Oh, he was like, yeah. we should have waited. So I, I got reamed in front of my friend Josh. Oh, big time, huh? Yeah, reamed, bro. So that's not really that big of a deal. But we go out and we sit in the back deck, like, on our, in our back porch. And I was like, man, let's just sit outside. He was like, "You scared, huh?" I'm like, "Man, yeah." Like I was vulnerable. Like, and then that time, man, like being saying you yeah. scared or you soft was like, that's a shot, bro. You gonna get yeah. talked about? Everybody gonna find out? You about to get punked? Like, yeah. friendships end. Like, like being Wait, called well, how, soft. How was old over. was it? How old were you, bro? I was like 13. Okay, 13. You busted a back window. Your yeah. dad laid into you in front of Josh, your buddy. Yeah. You just admitted that you're scared, and I didn't want to go in the house, so we just sitting outside. Yeah. And he was like, wow. man. Don't even worry about it, man. I, I mean, it's cool. You're scared, too. You messed up. You did something stupid, man. It, it'll be all right. It'll blow over. And for me, that was the first time. It's so little, but that was the first time I was, like, vulnerable to somebody. I yeah. let my guard down. Yeah. And our relationship didn't change. Right. He didn't look at me as soft. We went to school. He didn't, like, know. Everybody didn't know. It wasn't nothing, wasn't nothing that big at all. And then uh, just 
he even gave me comfort in the midst of that. So the reason I say that goes back to yeah, like yeah. all right. So how what is being a good dude? Bearing your soul or making yourself vulnerable? Yeah, and somebody seeing that vulnerability and not taking advantage of it. Wow, dude. So wow. for me, that was that's a great answer, man. That was I think that's that's I don't know that's real love too. So here's here's the way I think about vulnerability as a man. When it, when I think about vulnerability, I call it the vulnerability leap. Because a lot of times, like even small gestures of vulnerability as a man, it reminds me of feeling like I'm young again on the diving board. Okay. With my father in the deep end telling Ooh, me to jump, jump and that I'll catch it and that he'll catch me. Man. And so, like, as dudes, you know, we make a little vulnerability leap like that. And if if people don't catch us, we're like, okay, I'm never opening up again. Ever again. If and if people do catch you, you're like, so I can jump and not die? I can Man. tell Josh I'm scared and not yeah, die. He'll see? catch me. But I used to feel too, ah, oh, that's fluke. Yeah. That's just a one off. Like I oh, you was just, you yeah. know, you were strong that day and able to catch me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, but I get yeah, nah, that was huge, man. Yeah. So I, I think I think that's what makes it that's what makes a good dude. Somebody that somebody feels confident and comfortable with the bear their soul. Right. And not feel judged. But there's a there's a there's a caveat to it. But okay. also trust someone who's whose word is trustworthy. Yeah. So what I mean by that, you can bury your soul and say you did all these wrong things, but if all there, if all that that dude is is somebody you can just confess to, and but they don't lead you to restoration. Right. They don't lead you to, uh, you know, dry ground. Dry ground. You know what I mean? They right. don't like, hey, uh, let me help you through this or or guide you through that, and then in that guiding you, um, like led by the gospel, bro. Then that's just a that's just somebody willing to hear you whine. Yeah, 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 man. That that's good. Like so, so a good dude is somebody who has the vulnerability to be honest, and yep. also the responsibility to catch other guys who are vulnerable enough, and then lead them to dry ground. You know, yeah. They meet us in the mess, and also help us find a way out of it. Yeah, yeah. Bro, long story short, yeah. bro, somebody a good dude is somebody that can love like Jesus, man. Right. Or try. Right. That's a good answer, man. So, Cook, we've we've only known each other for a couple months now, man. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I've really loved our time getting coffee together, getting to know one another. Um, obviously, like it's been cool to hear how our church has been super blessed by your family already. And so, like, even in our couple months of like knowing each other, man, I've just been super impressed by you. You got a you're a family man, you are an organizational leader. You are a follower of Jesus. You're a dude who invests, commits, and builds up the local church. So uh, big question, man, is like, how'd you become the man that you are today? And you can, you can start <laughs> wherever you want. You can start with the birth certificate or not. Uh, I don't yeah. care, man. Nah, man. Um, I, I would say that, man, through the short, skinny, through prayer. Um, yeah. the, the real... Um, kind of the grimy version. Uh, man, I'm born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, mm -hmm. Grew up in the church. Um, so meaning I, I knew all the answers. So like my, my uncle was right. a, uncle's yeah. pastor's grandfather, a deacon and yep. bishops and all this other stuff. So like for me, my biggest like 
crisis on Sunday was do I call my uncle uncle or do I call him pastor? Like, where, where we at with this? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. Sundays was just a big family reunion. Like, everybody was cousins or aunts, so it, it wasn't no big deal for me. Right. Um, but I, I just knew all the answers. Like, I knew what I was supposed to say and all this other things. You got the curriculum, saying, man. Yeah, not for sure, but the heart knowledge wasn't there at all. Right, right. Um, but I used to always say, uh, just tell, like, even tell people or when I tell friends or we talk about, talk about God or talk about the church, like, hey, bro, you need to, like, give this Jesus thing a legit try and, like, do it and be a Christian. Because um, I literally felt like, I mean, I ain't going to make it, but at least I could tell somebody else who got a shot to make it. Right. Because I just yeah. felt like I didn't make the cut. I felt like I wasn't. I've already done too much. I've been, uh, I was already damaged goods. Okay. So uh, I didn't make the cut yeah, yeah. kind of thing. It's kind of how I felt. Fast right. forward. Uh, and you say I live my life that such too. Uh, fast forward, college, sophomore year in college, play football. Shout out to Tiffany University. Go Dragons. Mm. Um, but no. Dragons? But, yeah. Oh, that's a great mascot. Yeah. So uh, play football there, man. I, um, and every Friday before the game, they had chapel. My freshman year, it was just this uh, old guy, Catholic dude. Um, and I grew up in a Pentecostal church. So, like, yeah. I, completely different dynamics. Let's get weird, baby. Oh, yeah. bro. I'm talking the the tongues, the breaking <laughs> out in songs. We do yeah. testimony. And yeah. next thing you know, service can go from, what, 830 to 12 but on average probably like 8 30 to 2 3 Woo. then we still got dinner or we got food uh, afterwards like it's a it's a it's an event it's cancel event. your plans oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no 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 yeah. sundays is that sunday your sundays are gone yeah so then uh my freshman year he was the old dude was there catholic dude i'm like nah i'm cool didn't go to chapel sophomore year um i'm leaving the meeting room it's friday night uh it's this uh younger dude from philly coming in he's like hey bro uh you going to um, you going to chapel? And it was a young black dude. I'm like, nah, bro, I ain't going to chapel. He was like, well, what you well, what you about to do? I'm like, bro, I don't know. Chill, probably watch some more film. Kick mm -hmm. it, it's Friday mm -hmm. night, bro. Before the game, not do nothing too crazy. Yeah, he's yeah. like, bro, come to chapel. I'm like, why, bro? And he was like, cause I'm teaching. I'm like, bro, they ain't got you teaching chapel. <laughs> like, you not teach. Look how you dressed. You ain't teaching chapel. If I didn't make the cut, you didn't. Yeah, yeah bro. You ain't going. Come not on, bro. You a microphone, oh, right, bro? You not. You ain't teaching chapel, yeah. bro. <laughs> but no, nah, man. I went. Um, God softened my ears, uh, softened yeah. my heart, opened my ears, man, to to His word, bro. And and boom, I would say they're Christian. You know, everybody go through their little legalism phase where yeah, yeah. for me to for me to be, you know, I'm saved now, so I got to be legalistic. Right, right. Thank God he, for his grace and pushing me through that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, man, um, honestly, so that's that's where I would say I'm, I'm a believer. And then throughout those times into where I'm at now, um, it's purely through God's grace and a lot of my mess ups that I'm here where I'm at now. Um, of mm. him humbling me, yeah. Um, where we'd be in connection group in previous churches, and I would say something, it would fall in deaf ears. Literally two seconds later, somebody would say verbatim what I said, and they'd be like, "Oh man, that was yeah, that was a great answer." No, no I, way, bro. What? I kid you not. My mom, my mom, sorry, my wife used to get livid, bro. What's behind that? What's underneath um, that, bro? Honestly, I think what I really think it is. Yeah, yeah. Bro, it was legit God humbling me because it was like my really? pride. Like my pride on like, like I used to, 
I cared more about me saying the right answer than them getting the message. Okay. So even if even if it was some other craziness behind it, my heart was nowhere near in the position to even address that or even look at that as such because my heart and where my head was at was so dark. Yeah. Wow. So like God humbled me through that. You know what I mean? Um, so like you you feel like the Lord deafened their ears that way you wouldn't get like the praise of man from saying the right answer. Yeah, that's wow. a great way of putting it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now don't get me wrong. Sometimes with people being bogus, who knows? But sure. But in the yeah, day, yeah. man, I mean, I I know where I, where I was at and where God had continued to grow me. So wow. that's an aspect of it. Work wise, um, I used to pride myself in my work, like in having success in what I do. Um, I am a person where God has blessed me the ability to be success in, successful in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. Man, he put me in a spot work-wise where the person just, it just, I was doomed. There was no way I was going to have success. Okay. Um, but yeah. he grew me in him at that midst of the time, and me and him, I started to have an even better relationship. Yeah. So when I yeah. lost my job, I really felt like he took that from me. He took that, all right, now you got me. Now right, I'm the one right. where you you base your identity on, not your work ethic. It's not you that creates the success. It's yeah. me that do, that do it for you. Dude, can you can you keep talking a little bit about bouncing back from losing your job? I feel like yeah. sometimes, man, that for guys that that can sometimes be like the scarlet letter. You know, oh, like how do you bounce bro, back from what? that? And you I did. F- yeah. Bro, I felt like I how that even started. So I was working in construction. Um, a guy who was a uh, owner who owned the company was a friend of my wife's family. Uh, approached me, was like, "Hey, I'm getting old. This is this is verbatim what he told me. Like, I probably got another three to five years left in me. Yeah, now, mind you, this guy's like a millionaire. Yeah, he's like, I got another three to five years in me. I uh, I want to. Um, I seen you manage. I seen you lead. I, I want." Uh, like somebody I can help develop and help manage and help grow and groom. Right. So I'm like, yeah. bro, you trying to like what you saying here? Like we talking succession? Like that's how that's how like he was talking to me as. Yeah, yeah. And then he was like, like Hey, where you at? How much you making? And I was like, Well, this is where I'm at, this is how much I'm making now. He was like, All right, cool. Well, I'm about to I'm planning on bring you on in the winter. It's gonna be short time. So we're gonna it's gonna be just this for right now. Then three months later I'm gonna give you a raise, and three months later I'm gonna give you another raise and then that'll be uh, pretty much like thirty percent more than what you're making now. Okay. And then we can talk. And depending on how much what you're doing, uh, how much profit in business, and you're able to save our, us as a company, yeah. then the following yeah. year we can even have that be some type of incentive, and you can you can rank up, wrap up, and start getting paid. That's yeah. what the man told me. Okay, I'm like, well, cool. Like at that time, I'm like, ah, dude, seemed kind of suspect. My gut was telling me, dude, suspect. But I'm like, you know what? Forget it. Like, okay, I'm a I'm gonna go get this bread. That's where my head was at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go and I work. Um, and at this time, I'm diving into the word myself. I'm fasting. I'm praying. And, bro, uh, the every uh, message I kept hearing was, hey, uh, as you start to bear fruit, God prunes so you can bear much fruit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was whispering. He was whispering, he was whispering to me, right? Dropping clues. Right. I never forget. You. I called my wife. I'm like, babe. She's like, what? I'm like, hey, um, so you know I'm hating what I'm doing now, like this job. And she was like, yeah, because you're not doing anything. They're wasting your talents. You're like, it's the environment was kind of weird in general. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but also, you know, I've been like, but the blessing in this is I have, I have free time where like I'm reading the word and doing this. And she's like, yeah, I've been seeing you like growing. This is awesome. And I was like, yeah, but the message I keep getting is uh, like once you bear fruit and you feel like I'm bearing fruit. She's like, yeah, I feel like you're bearing fruit, like you're growing. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, but then God prunes so you can bear much fruit. And the pruning process is a fun, babe. We about to go through something crazy. She said, William, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, go back to work, get off my phone. I'm like, wow. all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, later that week, I ended up in a hospital. Um, okay. And I had rhabdo. My body was just shutting down. I was in the hospital for a week. So I was out of work for a week. I emailed my boss, let me know ahead of time, hey, I'm in the hospital, whatever. Yeah. I come back that following, come back Monday. We have a, a, a board meeting, and I'm in the meeting. And... He says nothing to me about it. They just act like he act like I just popped up, like I just took a week vacation. Okay. And then in the yeah. midst of the meeting, he talks about, hey, so and so hurt his shoulder. Um, he just had went to the ER last night, but it looks like he'd be all right. So let's make sure, just give him the day. Let's make sure everything's okay. All right. And that was that. And I'm like, all right, that's weird, cause he one he never emailed me back, never reached out. Yeah. I'm yeah. back. Like this is it is what it is. So then me and him have a one on one meeting. And he's like, so this is when my pride, you know, as men, we're prideful. This is when my pride got yeah. checked, too. Yeah. So he was like, um, we, it was me, him, and HR. And he was like, hey, uh, let's talk. And I was like, okay. He was like, this is how much you're making right now. And I was like, yep. And I'm still not even supposed to be where I'm supposed, where we said I was going to be at. Right, yeah. And he was like, yeah, I understand that. But for what you're doing now, do you feel like you should be paid this much? And I was like, I looked him dead in his face. I was like. No, I don't. I wouldn't pay me this much to do this. And he's like, okay, then. So yeah. why do you think you do this? And I was like, because that's not my job to determine, like, where I need to be at. You right. asked me to do this, and you're putting me in the corner. You wrote the position description. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know what you want me to, to do here, man. Right. So, then, uh, so then he says, uh, well, you know, I only brought you on as a favor. And I was like, favor to who? Like, I had a job, and I actually had another promotion lined up, but you offered me more money, so I yeah, came here. Yeah, And I was like, and I, I have the emails, if you if you need to see those, to like, as a reminder. Right. And this is when, disclaimer, Will was uh, still very spicy. I've grown up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, anyway, uh, so then fast forward, uh, we, we kind of get through that, and he tells me, well, I need you to go out and, like, work in the field and work on the construction sites. Now, mind you, I just got out of the hospital, and they told me I can't do any physical labor. Right. But the way he's talking to me, it was like, well, I need to work because, you know, as men, we're supposed to provide, and if I don't do this, I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. Well, long story short, I got in the field, end up in the hospital again for a week, and I end up oh. losing my job. Oh, dude. Bro, I, I got that notice. Um and I go home. I call my wife ahead of time. She leaves to take the kids and leave. And I'll never forget, I went in the house sobbing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, God, you told me to trust you. You got to talk to me. Like you, like I've been, I've been steadfasting in your work. I've been doing what you, what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Like I've been devoted, you know, to yeah, like, yeah. to what's going on, bro. And, you took my job. Like, how am I supposed to provide for my family? How am I supposed to be a man now Yeah. if I can't do this? Because in, in my life wow. growing up, yeah. being a breadwinner was, that's what a man's supposed to do. I'm like, how am I, 
how am I supposed to do anything if you just took this away from me? And you took it away from me by a man who is shady and corrupt. Wow. Yeah. To the point, like, bro, in that conversation, the HR lady, like, was grabbed my hand a couple of times, said she was sorry. Like, afterwards, when I got let go, she, like, apologized profuse. Like, she felt like she was, like, she did it. Like, hmm. that's how, like, that, and, like, I mean, the dude liked to be called, like, the other workers called him dad or daddy. Oh. I told him, I'm like, bro, I'm a grown man. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not calling That's you that. not happening. That's no. not happening. That's so, not happening. But anyway, so then I digress. So then uh, getting through that. Yeah. I'm in the midst of it. Now I'm sitting there. I'm unemployed. I'm trying to find a job. I'm frustrated. I'm having to ask people for help to for interviews or where to where to, to point me in the right direction. And I am ashamed. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I feel like I'm less than. Like I've never. I've always been told I've done a good job, or I, I'm known for my work ethic, and now I just got got fired. Um, something that was out of my control. Yeah, and and I feel less than a man. Yeah, and, and that Sunday, uh, we go to church, and then all of a sudden, like you know how God do, man. The message is, He never abandoned you. He never let you down. Classic. Yeah. Bro, and I'm in church sobbing, bro. I'm in right. church in the front row crying. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I go, like, I'm the biggest man in church looking crazy. <laughs> um, so I think that um, then my wife had a heart attack. Oh, wow. And I think so your your key question, even how we got into all this, was, like, how how did I – how getting through that or maintain, yeah. you know, grow through that – Honestly, man, it's, I can't describe it. God gave us a peace and a joy in the midst of that storm that no one could understand. Like, yeah, man. Like, I just was, it was cool. It is what it is. Like, God is, if everything goes to crap at that point in time in my life, God has already done enough. Mm, yes. And it's tough to to feel like that and think like that sometimes in the right. midst of it. But, man, he, that's the realness, bro. He's already done enough. Yeah, He's dude, done enough. Dude, the th one of the things that just terrifies me about the Bible, because I know that it's true, is that um, it men tend to be most faithful when they're in the pit. Yeah. So, like, you look at the book of Jonah, right? And, like, Jonah doesn't do well on dry ground. Whenever he's on dry ground... He's doing pretty poorly. Like, where's the one place where Jonah's faithful? It's in the belly of the whale. That, that's when he finally cries out to God and yeah. prays to God. You look at King David, right? Um, some of his best poetry comes from when he's literally, like, writing psalms on the run in, in the from pit. From Saul, yeah. And so, like, it seems like one of the Lord's favorite tools to transform men is the pit. Yeah. And it sounds like maybe that happened in your life. Yeah. So that was, I think... That moment, for to keep it real with you, man, I would say that's just that was just me looking at uh, that was just God showing me, showing me to people like, hey, you gonna chill here for a little bit. Uh, yeah, when I actually wow. walked in and I felt like I was sitting in it, man, I would say in 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 2018 uh, that we had I was working with this. I finally got a job, and I wasn't making no bread, bro. Um, yeah, I was like. The money that I was promised to the construction never made it. Now I'm making right. even less. I'm making half of what I was making before I left. Ooh. 
to try and pay bills, bro. Our car got repoed. Um, But what I can say in that pit, in the midst of it, man. Maybe the biggest obstacle to overcoming emotionalism or apathy is learning to put to death our self-shame. There's a, psych- there's a psychologist who phrases the problem, poses the problem of self-shame with a riddle that's actually true. Here's the riddle. Imagine that 100 people are prescribed medication. One third of them won't even fill the prescription. And of the remaining two thirds, half of those 67 people, even after filling the prescription, won't end up taking the medication. They'll miss doses, they'll forget to take it, or they'll just stop taking it early. Now that's true, but here's where the riddle gets really deep. He goes on to say, now imagine it's not you who feels sick, but your dog. And what happens when your dog is prescribed medication? Well, it turns out that statistically, people are better at filing and properly administrating prescription medication to their dogs than to themselves. And it's difficult to conclude anything from this set of facts except that people appear to love their dogs more than themselves. That's not good. Even from your pet's perspective, that's not good. Your pet probably loves you and would be happier if you took your medication and stayed alive. So what's going on here? What's going on here? Well, the same psychologist who poses the question answers the riddle by rooting it in self-hatred. He goes on to say, quote, You're bad enough as other people see you, but only you know the full range of secret insufficiencies and inadequacies that lurk within you. No one is more familiar with your flaws than you. No one has more reason to hold yourself in contempt to see yourself as pathetic than you. So you hate yourself and punish yourself for all of your failings. A dog, on the other hand, a harmless, innocent dog, is clearly more deserving than you. So we end up caring better for our pets than for ourselves. For many dudes, this rings true. Many men hate themselves. And a person can only tolerate their self-hatred for so long before something has to give. And having nothing else to give, most men resort to numbing themselves. Sometimes with alcohol, sometimes with rage, sometimes with drugs, and sometimes with relentless work that buries their feelings deep down inside. If you're prone towards emotionalism or prone towards apathy, maybe you've never considered this as a possibility. Maybe there's self-hatred deep down inside of you from a long time ago. Self-hatred from that thing you did a long time ago. Self-hatred from that thing that happened to you a long time ago. And you've confused a bad decision with the essence of your personhood. Guilt, as they remind us, says I did something bad. Shame says I am something bad. And so before we can do any work on emotional sovereignty, this roadblock reckons to be dealt with and 
Have you considered the fact that maybe the Christian story isn't a fable? Have you considered the fact that maybe the Christian story isn't just a 2,000-year-old story? Have you considered the fact that maybe the story of God coming in the flesh, being crucified on a cross for the sins of the world, wasn't just something that happened a long time ago in a place far removed? Maybe it was for you. You. And maybe the crucified Christ was looking at you when he was crucified. Where else are you going to put your shame? Where else are you going to bury your hatred? Jesus' arms, brother, are wide open to receive all of it in its ugliness with grace upon grace. But what I can say in that pit, in the midst of it, man, God grew me significantly, man. Right. Uh, yeah. That's when we got... I got way more involved in the church. Um, I would say I, my relationship and leaning on him was just evident. Like I like, that's when I realized I was also in sales. That in sales, literally everything is God ordained. And like, if you you can have the perfect pitch, the perfect product, but if God doesn't off, soften that person's heart, open their ears, you're not gonna make the sale. And yeah, yeah, that was right. just an. He, like, really showed himself. So, mind you, I'm struggling so much in that job. Finished the year, I was ranked number nine in the country as a rookie. Dude. So Yeah, no, it sounds good, but I wasn't making any bread, bro. Yeah, um, yeah. And then uh, the stayed faithful um, as much as the Holy Spirit helped me stay faithful. Let's be real here because yeah. it's nothing but him. We need right, God to real. need God. Um, and then uh, I got a new gig. Um, with with the company I'm with now, and that was the first time I, I even felt a uh, instance of like, all right, come here, we can pull you out now. Yeah, wow, man. Yeah, so, man. so uh, here's a concept. I want I want you to tell me what you think about this. So, okay, there's a writer, um, David Brooks. Mm -hmm. um, he's got some good stuff. He's got some other stuff. Like like whatever. The dude's not infallible, right? But. I really like his concept of the two mountains. Okay. So he says, life is basically a tale of two mountains. And one of the way he distinguishes the first mountain from the second mountain is he calls the first mountain the mountain of resume virtues. Mm. And so skill, ability, uh, how much you earn, really the types of like impressive skills and abilities that you would put on a resume. Mm -hmm. And he says, most of us start our lives trying to climb that first mountain to try to impress people, um, everything like that. And he says, what usually happens to great people is they get kicked off of the first mountain. And after getting kicked off of the first mountain, they then begin to climb the second mountain. And he says, those aren't resume virtues. Those are eulogy virtues. Mm. It's not the stuff you put on your resume. But it's the stuff that you put on your eulogy. He mm. was a good man, a good husband, a good mm. father. He loved people well. He was humble. He loved the Lord. The type of thing you hear in eulogies. And he says, usually we have to get kicked off the first mountain. And that's the way that we find ourselves going on the second mountain and climbing the second mountain. Like, do you feel Facts. like, you, yeah, do you feel like you got kicked off the first? Oh, mountain? yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. Because even the blessing in, in disguise working at the construction was the first time I would be home about 536. Right. And I would have dinner as a family. Yeah. Never did that before. 
Um, it helped like that. Getting kicked off that first mountain really shifted my values. Yeah. To the faith being number one, family being number two, and then finances being number three. Um, so my faith, family, finance in that order. That's how I live my life, man. Yeah. And um, before that, would you say it was like finances, faith, family, or I would before that, yeah. yeah. Honestly, I would say finances. I would say uh success. Mm. Um, I would say finances, fame. Yeah, finances, fame. Um, I think all of it though, honestly, in short, for real, was like my priorities was making myself worthy. Mm-hmm. Cause it really wasn't money. Cause I'm never I never was really a big money motivated person. I just knew that money just helps get things done. Yeah, um, yeah, and I I determined like the more money you have, like that's how you determine success, the more, or the more that, accolades yeah. and all this other stuff. But really, what it was was like make myself worthy, right? And I feel like that's that was it. And then getting that was me building my resume to making myself worthy, and getting kicked off was the realization like you will never be worthy. Mm. You know, can. I won't, can I ask you a hard question? Uh, always. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just, think, you sure you want the answer? That's uh, the, that's the yeah, question. Okay, yeah, well, we'll see, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think this is a question that a lot of dudes don't have the guts to to ask because I think a lot of the a lot of us as men, we are driven towards excellence and achievements for exactly that reason, to finally make ourselves feel worthy and so i guess my question for you would be at that point in time like what was it that would make you feel like you had to earn your worth or to flip it why did you feel unworthy Mm. yeah that one why why did you feel unworthy why um i that's a that's a heck of a question man I like it. You, you said it. Now my bad. You teed it up too. Nah, I would say uh, what made me feel unworthy, or was I? I always felt like a, it's gonna just pretty much say the same thing twice. Just I wasn't good enough. So like my older yeah, brother, yeah. stud athlete, freak uh, athlete wise. Never was able to measure up to him. Um, so you felt like you were in a shadow. Kind of. Kind of. Um, I, even in terms of my, my parents and my family dynamic, I was always just like the the did my own thing, kind of the black sheep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, to an extent. Even in terms of uh, even peer groups, like I had friends. Like I, you know what I mean? I was people I was real close to, close with and things like that. Sure, yeah. Um, but I was always, I was cool with everybody, but I was never like the guy. And I wanted to okay. be the guy. Yeah. I think that's what right. it is. I wanted to be the guy. I wanted to be the person that everyone looked at and was like, oh, like, no, that's, that's Will. Right. I yeah. wanted to be, I wanted to be that. I wanted to, I wanted to be the savior for my family's pride. I think that's the real truth. I want to yeah. be able to where I can, like my work and climb so high where my parents would say, I'm proud of you. 
and I can mm. tell them, hey, mm -hmm. here's your new house. I wanted my my wife wow. to yeah. to see me and not feel as if not that she's ever said this or even felt like this that she married down, and I wanted my kids to to be somebody that they see me and like I'm the I'm the standard um, rather than someone that just don't meet the standards. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'm hyper critical of myself, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hmm. It's interesting too, because those feelings of unworthiness and those feelings like I, I identify with that, man. Like I had, I wasn't in the shadow of a brother. Um, cause I, I didn't have a brother. I was, I, I lived in my father's shadow Yeah. and it, it has nothing to do with my, my dad. Awesome dad. I mean, it, best dad ever. I love my dad deeply, but he was at the center of a small town. He was a, a coach and a teacher and a really well-loved coach and teacher. He won about every award that you could in coaching and teaching. State champ uh, wrestler in high school, three-time All-American yeah. in college. And so I, I just always felt like I, I was in his shadow. Mm. And so that, that feeling of wanting to either – well, I wanted to out-achieve him. And when I didn't, then I wanted to rebel and uh, get totally outside of his shadow. Yeah. And that can drive a man, man, I'll tell you what, like feeling like you're in the shadow of, a, of your father or feeling like you don't measure up to your brother, like that's some powerful fuel right there, man. But it's yeah. suffocating. Yeah. It's suffocating. I, yeah, it drove me. Um, it drove me. My, my brother was probably my biggest motivation for a long time. Um, I have other siblings too that my older sister, she was a big motivation. I... I yeah. I'm just hyper competitive as well. Yeah. So like yeah. even it, even if you relate to me or not, you were better than me at something, or if I saw that you were better than me at something, I gotta find a way to be to be the guy. Yeah. Um, to to climb to the top, man. My uh, so football used to foot honestly, be worthy worthiness was definitely there too, but football was my god for a long time. Yeah, right. You know, I my wife a couple of years ago, one time she said, I've never seen you lose well at anything, even a freaking board game. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I definitely have had to go through that season of like, why is it so hard for me to not be the best at everything in the room mm. and to just like mortify? I feel like God is, God is very committed to helping men mortify that idol. Yeah. Even if it means taking away a job. Oh, bro, he, he took a lot of things from you, man. Sure, I was feeling myself lifting. That's why I probably my, my shoulder hurt. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I, like, right, no, nah, he 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 humbles me, um, because I'm hard headed. So I know that. Yeah, <laughs> so he has yeah, to tell me to sit yeah. down quite often. Mm. No, yeah, I'm man. Good. What other challenges shaped you growing up and mm. to becoming the well cook that you are today, man? Yeah, I would say one of the things that shaped me so. By the time I was four, um, I kind of had to figure out how to cook to a certain extent to, like, feed myself. Yeah. Um, and then and then obviously it kind of grew from six and seven and stuff like that. Okay. Um, yeah. But it's kind of funny because uh, my mom used to say that with a sense of pride. Um, 
that I could do those things. And she, I was able to take care of myself at a very young age. Yeah. My yeah. older brother, eight years older than me, man, he was, you know, out and about being a preteen or a teenager doing this thing. Yeah. Uh, my parents, I mean, they both worked two, three jobs. So grinding, like working parents. Uh, my mom, man, she's, God rest her soul, bro. She was a superhero to me as I yeah. look back. Despite, you know, she wasn't perfect, um, but she definitely was a superhero. She would get up at 4, come home at 3.30, um, take a nap, cook, make sure everything was clean, cook dinner, uh, and then then work probably from 7 to midnight. Wow. What's Do your mom's name? Again. Shirley Cook. Shirley. Yeah, RIP, man. She was a, Shirley. She was a beast. Yeah. Um, so during those times, obviously, especially during the summer or things like that, well, I ain't eating at school. I got to figure out something to eat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that that sense of independence in figuring things out, God kind of shaped me through that. Um, I was abused during during some of those times too. Yeah. Um, which, man, shook my identity quite a bit at times. Um, Gosh, and even I hear, the people yeah. the people that did it were quote unquote believers. Uh, but it's like you really asked me like what like what shaped me or how and to be the truth man it ain't nothing but God because in the midst of that mm-hmm. he even gave me the the wisdom and the ability to separate people doing wrong versus God doing wrong yes oh man dude so like it, wow it, I don't, like I I want to say like it was just this whole like epiphany of me pushing through these things and i like pick myself up by my bootstraps the american story (laughs) but i ain't gonna lie bro it was really it was really god holding me through it as i'm sucking my thumb crying about all the devastation around me Mm -hmm. man and him just literally guiding me shielding me putting people in my life to bring me joy in the midst of it or uh to help me steadfast or comforting me when i'm scared or giving me the courage to to say when things are wrong or to speak my mind and him giving me grace when I mess mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. um and and mercy and uh, bro it's it's him like yeah. I can't it's him my wow. yeah my life sounds doesn't doesn't sound like you know white picket fence on a lot a lot of other perspectives but one thing I do know and even biblically it gives us example people had a way worse but no matter if people had it way worse or way better, we all serve the same God. Yeah, who's amen, dude. Good throughout yeah. it all, you know. So it's it's Him yeah. shaping me, um, getting through some of those things that those hard times that I, I thought was over, um, over for me. That He still oh. just pushed me through. So when I get through certain things now, it's I'm sorry, bro. God got it. Yeah. Know? So, I mean, here you are, Cook. You're How old are you? 32. You're 32. You got a beautiful family. You got Thank a great you. job, man. Thank you. You are loved by the Lord, and you're passionate and on fire for, for Jesus. And, yeah. um, and, and yet, growing up in the church, you experienced abuse at the hands of people who called yeah. themselves believers. Yeah. Dude, I, can you press a little bit deeper in for what sure. it was like? Because, man... I just think it requires so much emotional maturity and spiritual maturity to be able to detangle. That is something 
that wicked people did yeah. from, oh, God endorsed that. Yeah. Right? And so like a lot of people, man, they get, you know, slandered or hurt by somebody in the church. And they're like, I'm done. Church is hypocrites. God's not real. Um, and yet yeah. you went through something devastating. And you had the emotional maturity to say, that wasn't God. God is good. God dwells in unapproachable light. He's perfect in purity. Yeah. He's He's perfect in holiness. God didn't do that. Like, how, man, Yeah. what would you say to someone who can't untangle those things? I would say at that time, I can only just give him like me at that time. Mm. I felt... At that time, the first things that like kind of went through it, I never forget the the first time it all happened. I felt like I was just I remember being feeling sick to my stomach. Yeah. Um, and just really like disassociating from it. Right. Um. So you you distance yourself from like yourself. it was like it was happening, but it wasn't like yeah. I was like watching it happen, but it it was happening. That's like kind of like how my brain kind of coped with it. Wow. Um, what happened to take that, how I was able to separate that, it was like, I, I know this is wrong, right? This is wrong. This doesn't feel right. This is not okay. Right. And if I know this is wrong and this is not okay, but God is all good and all just and all righteous, then he can't do this. This this ain't this isn't him. Right. There's like there is darkness. Right. You know what I mean? And you don't appreciate the light when you don't see the darkness. Wolves are drawn towards sheep. Yeah. So yeah. um I think that it was kind of that that aspect of it. Yeah, um, it was also the like how how I felt. I just officially became damaged goods. Mm. Like I'm, I am now unfit. Okay. Um, even for like, you know, like we talked about earlier, like my, my faith walk, like I'm now unfit. Like I'm I'm no longer in the cut to be able to go to heaven. Like that's how I, I also felt. Like that was yeah. just taken away from me. Yeah. And it wasn't and I I pictured that being taken away from from me by the enemy rather than God ordaining it. Right. You know? Yeah. Um so that's kind of what I what I wrestled, and then as I as I got older and it was still going on, because then it, it went on until I was about roughly like twelve. So now I'm like puberty. That's a long time. Not puberty though, right? Like yeah. Now we're talking puberty. Now we're talking about like just the the feelings of it. I'm confused. I'm even more confused now, um, and things like that. Yeah. Um. And I think through that like it was just it was it was nothing but still like this is wrong mm -hmm. and these all these things are wrong but god is still right i'm just i'm just broken 
and these people around me that are doing they're just broken like we're just we just going to hell bro like it's just it is what it is like that's just like kind of what it wow. how it felt like this is this is it like this is it felt like even in the midst of all of it it felt just dirty felt wrong and it didn't feel like people were telling me how god is supposed to feel so there's no way this could be god right and it was just it was kind of that man it and that like as primitive to me as that sounds for the most part man it was still just the holy spirit just and god saying what's his is his yeah that's like, he right turn me he didn't he didn't turn me around from it um and then i think the next thing i kind of i wrestled with mm-hmm. once i became when i would say i became a christian mm-hmm. my sophomore year in college was and then growing in that was god's sovereignty so now we got to rewind yeah like, you know what i mean like right well god is good he's sovereign overall bro then what the heck was all of this yeah So if emotionalism is being ruled by your emotions and apathy is rejecting your emotions, emotional sovereignty is the third way. Here's the way Connor Beaton describes and defines emotional sovereignty. Quote, emotional sovereignty is the ability to be fully responsible for your emotions while being able to understand and regulate your emotions. Emotional weakness says, you made me feel this way. Emotional sovereignty says, I feel this way. It's okay. I'm capable of navigating through this. Emotionalism says, you hurt my feelings. Emotional sovereignty says, I and I alone am responsible for my emotions. And whatever this person did or said to me, whatever happened to me, what I get to control is how I respond. You own your feelings rather than being a victim. You articulate your feelings rather than suppressing them. You regulate your feelings rather than being mastered by them. And there's one tool that's the most helpful tool for emotional sovereignty. And that tool is space. Viktor Frankl, the famous Holocaust survivor, once said, between the stimulus and the response, there is space and in that space is the power to choose how we respond when something wounds you when somebody criticizes you when somebody insults you after what he did she did he said she said there's a space before you respond and you dude Dude, you should, you should learn to love that space, use that space, maximize that space. In that space is time to pause, lean in, breathe deeply, pray, be curious. And that space is the greatest tool you have to take responsibility for your own rich inner life of emotions. And this is what it means to put the doorknob on the inside of your heart. You know, like it break this down. Like this makes no sense. 
And then it, it some of the things that continued, I, I, I rest with that I didn't let that determine my manhood or how I viewed women or how I viewed anything like that um, was uh, that yes, he's sovereign, but it this world is also broken. Mm-hmm. And he's done enough. Right. Like, we don't get me wrong. This is not how the world is supposed to be. And there is still death that comes with the curse. There is still sin that comes with the curse. There is still depravity. This world is dark. Um, but God, there is a light. And that this is not our heaven. This is not our shalom. It's mm-hmm. the, He's done enough by forgiving us of our sins it's it's the it's the illustration or the uh when when jesus says all your sins are forgiven and the lame man is like hey but i still can't walk and he's like hey what do you think is more powerful more impactful your sins being forgiven or being able to walk Hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think so often when i was looking back like how is he sovereign how is he good i'm focusing on my ability to walk yeah rather than my eternal so wow yeah dude thanks for sharing that man it's powerful to hear how god has changed you saved you and conformed you to his image i mean you're 32 now man yeah so you're you're 32 um right you're you're right now you're you're almost you almost have a master's in theology more importantly (laughs) than that you love you love jesus and so like if you could go back in time what would you say to five-year-old Will or 10-year-old Will or 12-year-old Will to comfort him? Yeah. Man, you about to get me emotional. Um, but you're already making me emotional. Yeah, no. Nah. man. I would say uh, you're loved. Mm. I think. Man. Um, that's... That's all I I needed. Um, continue to be need needed to be told that you you loved. And just cause you're loved doesn't mean life is gonna be easy. Just cause you're loved and just just because all these things are happening doesn't mean you're not loved, man, but you're loved. Like and it's not that you have to do anything to earn mm-hmm. that love or to earn your worth, but he he loved you before you were in your mother's womb. <laughs> he loved you before you had a name. Yeah. He he loved you when you lied. He loved you when you told the truth. Mm-hmm. He loved you when you were hurt. Loved you when you were sad. Loved you when you were lonely. And don't don't always feel like it. You don't always see it. But he, but bro, you loved. And it's okay. I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah, that is, the, that, that is the biggest thing, man. Yeah, that's, I'm that's the here, gospel. I'm over here weeping. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the gospel, man. You got me. So at night, I've been walking my kids through what we call the toothbrush blessing okay okay. so right before right after they they brush their teeth um 
it, we we pray for every square inch of ourselves. Oh, you know, okay. I, I'm like, Lord, bless our, and I point at my feet, and they go, feet. And I say, may they bring good news. You know, Lord, Ooh. bless our, I hold my hands out, and they say, hands. Or, you know, I said, you know, I, Lord, bless our, and I point at my eyes. And yeah. the kids will say, eyes. And I'll say, help us see you in all of life. So I, we just work from toe to to mind and we yeah. just ask God to bless every square inch of us. And it, and it ends with four questions. Okay. So the questions are, does, does God love Russell? And Ooh. Russell says, God loves Russell. Right. Second question is, does God love Russell sometimes or all the time? And he goes, God loves Russell all the time. Mm. And I say, does God love Russell on good days or bad days? And he says, God loves Russell all the time on good days and bad days. Yeah. And so we just walk through that until at the end he says, God loves Russell every day, no matter what, yeah. on good days and bad days. And um, you, I, I just don't know if I'll ever be able to teach them anything deeper than that. Nah. You know? That's but it kind hit, of it. It hit different. Like your parents are supposed to say that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like right. they're supposed to. You know what I mean? Shoot. Mm -hmm. Today's TV media even got gets that right. We know how corrupt that can be. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that's for like they supposed to say that. Um, I think it it things like that hit different when it's a peer. Um, when it's a sibling. Um, or shoot, if you had a time machine and you told it to yourself, like. Mm -hmm. That was those a whole more way, like a a friend that you you become cool with and y'all grow and he says, "Hey, bro, I love you, man. I got you." Mm -hmm. It like that's a choice, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like parents like it's a, it. It's an obligation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're supposed right. to. If your parent doesn't love you, something's wrong with them. Right, but if yeah. Billy Bob or Joe Young around the corner don't tell you they love you or don't love you, okay, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. right? Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. But when somebody is someone different, or something like that, and they say it, I love you or you're loved, it just hit it hit different. And I think, and I think, what makes that even to take that even further to to God. I mean, it's. It's not an it's even it's not an obligation and it's even more of an unfathomable love. Yes, yeah, you're right. Like we spit in his face and disrespect him daily right. and he says, I love you. Right. We stomp on his word, disrespect him, and he says, Hey, here's my son so we can repair a relationship. Right. We we curse his image bearers and treat his image bearers and our fellow brothers and sisters as as dogs. Yeah. And he says Come here. Here's my grace. I'll give you mercy. Here's my favor. Right. And we take advantage of all the little miracles and blessings he gives us. We'd rather honk at the person for going the speed limit instead of thanking God that we're able to drive and we got from work to home. That is the human condition, isn't it? Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's unfair. Like, and But he loves us. Yeah, you know, I the it, you're helping me articulate some things I've been thinking about for a while and maybe put them into words. Sometimes it's difficult to receive our our parents' love for us or some other human's love for us 
because we can attribute their love to us to ignorance. We can chalk it up to ignorance. Yeah. Because they're not all knowing. So, you know, when a mom or dad tells us, hey, I love you, we can always be like, yeah, that's because that's because you don't know my browsing history. That's because you don't know me. Right. Because Because you're ignorant. I meet the conditions. Because, yeah, because I meet the conditions. I meet the conditions. But the interesting thing about God's love that you cannot wiggle away from is you can never chalk God's love up to ignorance Mm -mm. because he's omniscient all knowing and and that's why it's unconditional yes yeah dang dang yeah man you know i wonder how you have the emotional maturity to be the solid man that you are today and it's it's the lord's work and it's how lord the lord has developed you but like especially with the challenges you grew up with but what so one thing i think god does in the lives and i think this is one of the things that differentiates a boy from a man is 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 this concept and i think you've learned to do this really well it's the concept of putting the thermometer on the inside of your heart so like robert bly he's uh he's psychologist he's got this concept where he talks about how the difference between a boy and a man is a boy has the doorknob on the outside of his heart Mm -hmm. and a man has the doorknob on the inside of the heart and so the way that I break that down is with the image of like a thermometer. So like as as a boy, I feel like we have the thermometer on the outside of our hearts. Okay. So anybody can come over and say a bad word and it jacks up our whole week. Mm, right? Okay. Right? Anybody can jack with our thermometer if they say something in a comment on social media or mm-hmm. they or they do something to us, it can jack up our our whole week or our whole year, right? Yeah. And I think in manhood what God does is he empowers us to put the thermometer on the inside of our hearts where the only people who can change the temperature are him and me. Yeah. Right. Like you don't, the things that you did to me, they aren't me and I'm not going to let them become me. Yeah. You know, and it seems like you've been able to distinguish like, that's not me. That's not who I am. The thermometers on the inside of my heart. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, man, well, thanks for the compliment. I don't. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, I, I'm just trying to put to words what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. No, yeah. I, yeah. Man, maybe I'm just a good actor because I don't know what you're looking <laughs> at. No, um, uh, I think. When the doorknob is on the outside of the heart, anybody, any old Joe can open it up, walk through your heart and vandalize it in any way that they feel like it. They don't have to care about you. They don't have to love you. They don't have to support you. All they have to do is provoke you by saying something mean, shaming you, criticizing you, typing some mean comment about you, and they have access to the resources of your heart and can ruin your entire week because the doorknob is on the outside, brother. But as you mature as a man, you learn by God's grace how to put the doorknob on the inside of your heart so that you and the Lord and only you and the Lord decide who and when it gets opened. When the doorknob's on the inside, people can say mean things or imply mean things, but it doesn't rattle your day or ruin your week. When the doorknob's on the inside, you are in control of how you respond emotionally in any given situation, and nobody has the power to hurt your feelings because that's too much power to give others. Another image that Robert Bly gives us is 
to be made of iron, not copper. Copper's a conductor metal. Conductor metals take on the temperature of the room around it. And when you're made of copper, an angry father can use a copper sun to conduct all of his anger and rage into. Or a resentful mother can use her copper sun to channel her bitter resentment into. And the boy made of copper absorbs all of it. Here's Bly again, though. Quote, a young man loses his distinctiveness by learning how to be a conductor. He's turned into a conductor for everyone around him's emotions. And the more a young man agrees to be copper, the more he becomes neither dead or alive, but a third thing, an amorphous, demasculinized, half-alive conductor. So dudes, refuse to be copper. Instead, be iron. Embrace your emotions as they come. Be emotionally intelligent. Learn to name them and articulate them as they pass through. Take responsibility for them. And then rule and reign over your emotional life with King Jesus. The Bible, after all, describes everything I've been trying to describe over the last hour so much better and with only one sentence. Here it is. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. I think, for me, a constant knowing or uh, thought like, I ain't got the answers, Um, and I know I'm not not righteous, like, because no, not one is righteous. Mm -hmm. I'm always, I'm willing to be coached up. Right. Um, So I think that. I think two, um, I think I think another shift for me, because we talked about this before and shifts and phases. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think another shift for me would be would be the shift of realizing that this world. Is not my heaven. So there's there's an internal aspect of it. But in that, even though that's the case, we're still called to be the salt of the earth. Yeah. And in doing that, it's loving other people for where they're at. And in right. it's the golden rule, bro. Treat people yeah. how you want to be treated. Treat yeah. treat people how you want to be treated. Or rather, love others how you want to be loved. So, I I've also in that God has has grown me in the fruit of the spirit and grace. So when somebody say something crazy to me, um, depending because I'm still growing and I have triggers. Nah, <laughs> nah, uh, yeah, nah. Uh, yeah. It is it is the the grace of like okay, this person is obviously hurting from something. What's going on? Um, all right, this person said I'm doing this and this and this or calling me out here. Where was my heart at in saying this to this person? Where's my yeah. heart? Evaluating my heart. I think another thing that's that's grown me a butt ton is my wife. 
Yeah, amen, dude. Calling me out, pointing me out. Oh, my word. Uh, ensuring that, like, one of, one of the things today, bro, literally today. This happened today. <laughs> so my shoulder's messed up, and I've been working out, been getting in shape, and I was, yeah. like, I was yeah. feeling myself. So today I was just kind of, like, grouchy and antsy because, I like, I was already supposed to be gone all week, and then I can't work out. I can't really do what I want to do, so I'm angsty, and I, like, when I feel out of control, I try to control every aspect of yep, it. Yep, yep. Something I'm still trying to grow in. Yeah. My wife literally says this to me verbatim because I was like, you know what? Forget it. You're right. I am feeling out of control. I'll just get something to eat. Forget this diet. I'll just eat whatever I want to eat. Mm-hmm. And she says, why don't you, instead of... When you're feeling like this, running to food or whatever for comfort, why don't you go to God like you're supposed to do? Mm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, bro, okay. You know what I mean? Like, like, you're right. As, like, foundationally true as that is, like, as dudes, we, we require, like, an outside I need a, Sometimes I need a kick in the pants. Yeah, yeah. So then it's that. And then I think why why it's, like, the thermometer on the inside, man, I think every I, I it's it's one of those things, man. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bro, I didn't yep. fail so much, hit my head so many times, and all this other stuff that mm-hmm. I have my identity to my security mm-hmm. that God loves me. That's my identity. That's who I am, bro. Yeah. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the being that created the universe. Right. I'm the child of someone who sent their own son to die to have yeah, a relationship right. with me. I'm the child of someone who put his spirit ingrained in my body to give me guidance to walk and navigate this yeah, darkness of the world, bro. Yeah, so, like, right. bro, do you know who my daddy is? Like, you know what I mean? Like, right, that's right. that's how... I, that's where how I feel, but it's some of the same things too. When I feel like I'm I'm getting too puffed up in the chest, like, bro, sure. do, you, do you know who your daddy is? You're right. I need to calm down. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it works both ways. Works both ways. Yeah. So I think that's that's where it is. It's the it's the true revelation of like, bro, do you know who you belong to? Yeah, and that's who's right. really in control. And I I don't know. He's he's don't get me wrong. I don't do that perfectly. I still mess up to this day. I still. Still need, obviously, my wife, I just gave you an example. I still need that kick in the pants. Yeah. Um, yep. And it's one of those things, iron sharpened iron. So I got to have strong men around yeah. me as well. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's God. It's, it's, all right, it's my last little rant. Now shut up. It's no, like, rant on, my man. It's like, a, bro, on. it's like a, a key thing of this, like a, a key of, of a thermometer shift, right? There's, yeah. It, it's uh, an example of it. Job, right? Yep. Oh yeah. So Oh yeah, I think I know where you're going. Keep yeah, going, bro. So going. so his life went to crap, right? It's just yep. and he's surrounded by his boys. And his boys like you had to have done something. Mm. Right? And all his responses were Joe's responses were to them saying that it's like an example of the thermometer being outside because they were attacking him. He's attacked back. No, I'm not. Cause I did this and this and this. Oh no, I know I haven't done this and this and this, yep. like just checking them. Rattle. And, and he wasn't wrong. That's the crazy part. Yeah. He yeah. wasn't wrong in some of the things that he was saying. Cause he didn't do anything wrong at those times. Right. Right. Yeah. But then here's the kicker. Like we all know at the end of the day, Job happened because a bet between God and the devil. Like yep. it was literally a bet. 
Shocker, God won. <laughs> Spoiler. Anyway, so then when God then reveals himself to Job and he talks to Job, he doesn't affirm what Job says. He doesn't tell Job the why behind it. No. He reminds Job of who he is. Right. Yeah. And Job got the reminder of who he who God is, and he was like, you're right. My bad. And then he restored. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think people miss the miss that point because everyone talks about Job, like of how, oh, you know, he went through all these things. He, he stayed faithful, which he did. Yeah. Like he didn't curse God. No, he right. didn't. Like all those, he did right. those right things. And everyone uses Job as, which is not wrong in that like depiction. Right. But bro, we forget about the resolution and the resolution was God reminding him like, bro, I am God. Where were and you when I laid the foundation? Sarcasm. <laughs> and he's being sarcastic. Oh, you must have been there. Yeah. Oh, you can. Oh, you can. You know the Leviathan. Oh, you can do this. Right. Can you play. Oh, you know them? the Bohemian. You can yeah. do this then, right? Were you there when the sons of God shouted oh, yeah. for joy at the laying right. of the foundation? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and he's like, no, like, how dare I even question right. this God? And this was before Jesus. This is before even God sacrificed his son. This right. was just a reminder of who I am. And even at that point in time, he's already done enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just so like that, like in in that, like that reminder of who my dad is. Bro, it's it. It's, it's it. like, all right, bro. That's it. Nobody can say nothing to me. Let me put this thermometer back in. Let me put this door handle in here. Because do you know who my? Do you know who God is? Yeah, yeah. And that's like push that, me again and watch my feet not move. Yeah, I gotta push me around. But then, it, then it's the crazy uh, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego. Yep. And it's the key thing there too, because then people think like, oh, you have this faith, and because you have this faith, everything's going to go right. Or uh, that's when they get into you know the prosperity gospel stuff. Right. But the the courage they had when they said, uh, hey, you can throw us in the furnace. We still not going to bow down. Our God can save us from this furnace. But even if he mm, doesn't. Even if. He's good. And that's an example yeah, of that wasn't that thermometer's on the inside. Don't matter yeah, what's going man. on out here. Because I know who God is. And I think that's a key thing. You want to move that thermometer. You want to make that shift. You want to be classified as a good dude. Have that be your true number one priority. Now, in that being your number one priority, does that mean you're going to live a perfect, righteous life? Absolutely no, not. No, no. In doing that, what I can promise you, you're going to come with more trials, more tribulations, more yep. temptations, more struggles, more pitfalls. Uh, more angst, maybe even depression, anger, anxiety, stress—all that's going to yeah, come. Yeah. Uh, but in doing that, you're going to have a, a joy, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Right. You're going to have a, a foundation to lean on. You're going to have truth to rest on. Yeah, and and, and that means that when my boss is having a bad week and he decides to misuse me, he just doesn't have the sovereignty to turn the thermometer all the mm. way up to 110, man, because it's on the inside. It's on the inside. Right, between me me and God, right? And, right. you know, that means that when a church member says something mean-spirited or just yeah. fails to understand me, yeah. th that means they don't have access to the thermometer. They're not going to turn but it they, down to 
50 yeah. degrees, you know? Don't even don't even give them grace in there. Say they do it on purpose to be evil intent, right? Right. Yeah. Even if they do it with that, you know right. what I mean? Still, we're called to to react and respond a certain way with love and kindness and grace. Because right. yeah. then that is the definition of that church in Acts. Mm-hmm. That is the definition of that, of having that joy, having that that love and that outwardly expression that God then used to draw people. Wow. That is yeah. that is making your life a living testimony. Right. You know what I mean? That's that's the example of it. You can say all the things, you mean, but it's it's actions. It's the it's the heart behind it. That's the whole point of Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, all right, cool. Nah, you didn't kill nobody. But you still talk down about your brother. Right, you right. still are angry. Your heart is still trash. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nah. Dude, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. Chuck. My bad, bro. I talked a lot. No, that's why that's why you're on, man. Because the Lord has given you stories that need to be told to mm. to dudes who are trying to figure out what it means to be a good dude, man. Yeah. I, can I hold on to this conversation for just a little longer? Bro, yeah, it's all you. No, nah, I got three questions for you, yeah. all right? Here here's the first one, all right? What do you wish that a father figure would have taught you about being a good man growing up? Mm. And I got to warn you, the other two questions are like that, too. Yeah, I know. I see. <laughs> yeah. see you're a real piece of work, bro. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> nah, I would say out the gate, father figure. Um, would have... Showed me a father-son relationship as close as humanly possible um, as God does for us. So, like, I read the one of my favorite books, Knowing God, man, and it talks about that. Packer? Yeah. Yeah. Cold, yeah. bro. Cold. Mm-hmm. But, like, and what I mean by that, loving me, spending time with me, um... And even when I mess up, loving me through the mess up, reconciling me through the mess up, teaching me how to reconcile through a mess up, Mm -hmm. um, teaching me how to, uh, where to put my hard headedness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what I, I mean, that's what I would say, man. And then also leading, like, I think that's so key in being a father is leading yes leading through example um not just through your words and showing me what it's like to love a wife what it's like to love friends what it's like to love people when it's hard to love them that's why god gave our brains mirror neurons yep facts because that's how we it's how we learn, man. Well, and, and you know that's why you know First Corinthians talks about how it's by beholding God that mm. we're transformed from one degree of glory to to another mm. by just looking at Him and the way that He loves people. That's a bar. Uh, uh, how about this one, man? Um, can you tell me? You already have, so maybe I'll say it this way. Can you tell me another story about when you learned to be a good man? Mm. We've already been through a couple of them that are solid, but maybe yeah. there's another one that comes to mind before we sign off. I'll give you a, I'll give you a cheesy one. Yeah. Um, 
when I had my daughter. Um, I had my son first, and just always say he made me want to be like a good man, like he's, like he's gonna be watching me. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But I saw my daughter, and I instantly like I fell in love. And um, I would say I'm big on fairness. It's like my like thing. I, I want everyone to be treated fair. Mm-hmm. And if I'm gonna be loving on my daughter, like kissing on her, hugging on her, holding her, I have to do the same for my son. And he has to see that right. that's, that's okay to be vulnerable, to be to say he loves somebody. To that that doesn't make you weak or soft, right? So I think that was when it was a, a shift, an intentional shift. Hmm. Dude, can you imagine a world where men display for their sons? That vulnerability and transparency isn't weakness. Yeah. Dude, all of us jabronis, man, all of us young dudes are running around, puffing up our chest, trying to prove ourselves to the world. Yeah. And uh, God yes. has a way of kicking us off that first mountain man, to help us climb wrong. the second one. You're not wrong. You know? Yeah. You're not wrong. Mm. Children have a way of doing that, don't they? Oh, my word, yes. Yes. They they can give you a wide array of every emotion in the book <laughs> in one conversation. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the emotional agility of a five year old never uh, ceases to amaze me. My, I, I did, hey man, you the man. I, I don't want to go back. That's something I don't want to go back to. I want to keep <laughs> going up. But then it's, it's I say that and they're getting bigger and bigger, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. man, I kind of want you to slow down a little bit. Right. But it's beautiful seeing them grow, though, for sure. Here's my last question, bro. Um, and I know I kind of talked to, I, I shared this with you before we even, we even hit record. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I would love, and this is just a pipe dream mm-hmm. of a vision that I have, but, okay. um, I'd love to someday have a, a library of father son conversations that I can point my sons to someday when they ask, what's it mean to be a good man? Mm-hmm. Cause like you, you know, you have kids like yeah. the, sometimes our kids need to hear the answer out of the mouths of other other people. Yeah. And so like kind of towards that end, man, like what would you say is the most important thing that you think young men today need to know about life? Most important is you assess as you assess young men today. What do you think is the most important thing they need to know about life? Man, I'm thinking, I'm thinking y'all. That's why I'm silent. Mm. Mm hmm. the Bible is 100% true. Mm. I I know that sound like that's like the right answer. And I know that's not like a, like a 100% legit kind of go-do. But I say that and how I view that as like if young men, men in general, really feel and believe that the hundred the bible is a hundred percent true right it would shape everything else yeah like they would they would think and see how jesus washed the feet of his disciples they would see how he treated the the ones who were deemed unworthy they Mm -hmm. would see how 
a lot of the our biblical heroes were really just broken anti-heroes that God made into something. Yeah. They would see the yeah. the how weak we really are and how much we really do need God. They would then they would they would love each other so so much better because if we really understand who God is and we see our fellow man as image bearers of God, we would treat that person with reverence. Yeah. Because they're image bearer of our holy God who we worship. I think all of that would just trickle down into into being a good dude um, and really having a foundation in faith. Um, and then it would also give people grace that they're going to mm. mess up. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells us you're going to mess up. You're going to make a mistake. Yeah. Bro, I, I don't know. It sounds cheesy. To me, I ain't going gonna to lie. It sounds cheesy. It sounds like the right answer. But <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the, yeah. it's the real and only answer. It's, it's 100% one. true. It's not just the right this one. Is it's it. the real one. Yeah, yeah, this is it, bro. Like, you you dive into this, you good. Like, you dive into this, and you let, you let not let, because God going to do what he want to do. Mm. But you humble yourself. Otherwise, God go humble you, mm-hmm. and you acknowledge that that this is who God is. This is the one who created the universe. This is why you're able to breathe the air. You're able to breathe. You're able to walk the way. The way you're able to move the way you can move, bro. It's, it's life changing, and it's so crazy, bro. Just like, just know it's real. Mm. Just know it's real. Like yeah. this is real, bro. Like, I know with the government and everything else is going down. Who knows? But I know this real. Things yeah. that I've seen in my life and I personally experienced, this is real. So live your life accordingly. I know we keep coming back to this analogy, but I, yeah, I think believing that the Bible is 100% true is really the only way to put the thermometer on the inside when it's all said and done. Cause, That's it. Because if you don't have that foundation to stand on, then, man, you can be easily moved and pushed around. And if you're easily moved and pushed around, you can be manipulated really easy. And so... You know, the, Christianity gets portrayed this way by the next big movie, and all of a sudden my temperature just goes all out of whack. Yeah. Or, you know, the pastor says something I don't like or agree with, and so everything goes. But if you can stand on the foundation of the scriptures are 100% true, then the world can push you, and your feet don't even move, yeah. you know. Can I give you a part two to that, though, too? Can I give you like yeah. a part two? Yeah, keep So I'll say the Bible is 100% true, but also in that— own your faith. Yeah. yeah Don't yeah, be yeah. passive. Right. I think the the biggest issue with men, no matter the generation, our biggest our biggest flaw is passivity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, bro, that's back in the Garden of Eden, bro. Adam was standing right there, but being passive, like passivity, passivity is our biggest thing. Yeah. Um, and being a leader. And even having your wife, quote unquote, submit, um, it, it is not being big and bad. And what you say is goes, and you're right, and all this other stuff. Like Jesus was a servant leader, right? Right. You know what I mean? That's right. And that's and Jesus, like we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And last time I checked, He died for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. And he humbled himself. He, like, yeah. became flesh for his people. 
Yeah. He allowed himself to be persecuted for his people. He he led and he bled. And those weren't two different things. No. So that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. we just as males, we're so passive, man. It's like, uh, you know, that's, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. So then we become believers. Okay, cool. We're going to do this. But then there's no accountability for our faith. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, I just listened to this worship song all week. I listen to worship music all week, so that's good. Nah, yeah. Bro, yeah, read right. your Bible, bro. Now you got to walk, walk. You got to walk. God. You know what I mean? Uh, what's your prayer life like? Oh, I kind of pray. Nah, you got you to gotta talk to him, man. Yeah. What's your fasting rhythm like? Well, you got to, like, we got to have good rhythms, man. You mm-hmm. got, like, that stuff. You got to own it. Mommy and daddy is not going to tell you, did you read your Bible today? Did you do this? Your right, wife right, your yeah, wife yeah. shouldn't be the one leading you in, in constant prayer or anything like that. Yeah. Now, are there seasons where that happens? Absolutely. Of course. There are helpers. Course, there are yeah. com- like, yes, there's yeah. seasons of it for sure. But that can't be the expectation. Yeah. You got to own it. Um, and that's men and women regardless. You got to own your faith. That's mm-hmm. your relationship with God. That's not your pastor's relationship. That's not your parents' relationship. That's not Jane down the street's relationship. Right. That's your relationship. You have to take ownership of it because when, when that judgment day come, you gonna be evaluated. Right. Not not homie down the street. Not your parents. You are. <laughs> You're gonna have to answer. And I, I hope when he asks, why should I let you in? You're not saying because I was a good dude. Because I tithed. Because <laughs> I did all these things. Right. Bro, you're right. My answer is going to be like, hey, bro, because Jesus died for me. And he That's said he right, gave man. me the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus said, I, hey, he, he said I'm on the list. So I came. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Ain't nothing I did. He even gave me this jacket to he, wear. Yeah, he gave me the jacket. So this, you really, this is what you're supposed to be yeah, seeing, right? He goes, "Oh, Jack, I thought you was already come on back in uh, here." That's what I want. I don't. Yeah, that's so you gotta own it. It's 100 percent right. true, and you gotta own it. And with it being 100 percent true, the beauty and the and the joy and the and the salvation, yeah, that's true. But bro, so is the flip side. So is the depravity. So is the darkness. So mm. is hell. So is the. Mm-hmm. So is all of that. Like, and we, we forget, bro, that the God of the Old Testament is still the God today. The God mm-hmm. in that Bible we read, that's one hundred percent true, is still the God today. He can still do miracles. He can still do all those things. Mm-hmm. The the enemy we're facing, it's not just flesh. Like it's all that stuff is still going on, bro. Right. Like don't, yeah. like. I don't know, man. It's just so it's a hundred percent true. There's so much on it. So own your faith. Arm yourself. Arm yourself. Suit up. The Bible tells you to suit up, bro. Mm. You suit up for war.
Look at me, son. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. I know. No, no, you don't. It's not your fault. Hmm? I know. It's not your fault. 